Good morning, y'all. That was lame. We got to work this over again. Okay, so I'm from, I'm in a camping background, lots of interaction. So I'm expecting smiles today. I'm expecting work, like response. Okay, so we're going to try this. I'll say good morning, y'all. And you're going to say good morning back. Good morning, y'all. That is so much better. Y'all are quick learners. Well done. Hey, uh, as you guys, if, if you've been here before, you know this, when we have a new member to the church, Chris or Paul or whoever gets up front and welcomes them to our dysfunctional family, right? And uh, most dysfunctional families have that crazy uncle that shows up at family gatherings. Today, that guy's preaching. So <laughs> let's go. Hey, uh, for real, it's an honor to be able to teach today and be able to speak on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 on being a husband. And uh, I, I will tell you this, I'm super excited about it. I know my wife's excited. Uh, last week, we, we got in a pretty good argument. And, um, and I must have made a really outstanding point because she then followed up with, oh, and you're going to teach the whole church how to be a husband. That's good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take her at face value and assume she meant that as a compliment. Uh, okay, so before we get started today, I want to recognize and acknowledge that in, uh, in this room, we have a wide variety of people, ranging from folks that have been married within the last month, to people who have been married for decades, people who are single, people who are wanting to be married, some coming from divorce or from brokenness in the family, marriages that are thriving and marriages that are on their last straw. I will tell you this, y'all. My hope and my prayer going into today, to today is that each one of us, whether we are a husband or not, would be humble and soft and willing and ready to listen to what God has for us today. So uh, let's do this. Uh, I, let's pray. I want us to bow our heads. And so uh, please bow your heads. And I would just ask for you guys to pray on your own for a little bit. Just pray and ask God to speak to you today. I'd also ask for you to, to now just pray for those who are sitting around you. Many of us in here also know people whose marriages are struggling tremendously. As God brings those names and those people to mind, please pray for them right now. Finally, I'd ask you, please pray for me. Lord Jesus, we give you this time. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together and to worship. God, I pray that our hearts, that our eyes would be open. Uh, Lord, I, as we go to jump into your word, I pray, as I often do, um, Psalm 119, verse 18, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your law. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, y'all, today I get one verse, but y'all get a whole sermon, Okay. So it's just going to be, we're, we're not going to, you know, make this. Okay, it may go short. We'll see. Um, so the first part of chapter 3, and Chris preached on this last week, was a command to wives. And Peter gave six verses to the wives, and he only gives one verse to the men. And I think that's because Peter's a man, and he knows, y'all, we can't handle much more than that. Am I right? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, thank you. Um, and also, before we get going too much into this, I want to remind us as we go into this, the epistles, all the letters that were written to the churches, 
in the early days, those would have come to a church and not been cherry-picked out to have a verse read at that time. Certainly upon the initial receiving of the letter, it would have been read, and this verse would have been read in its initial context with the entirety of all the chapters and verses that we now have in 1 Peter. And so in order to, and I'm not going to read all of that. You guys can just breathe easy. It's not going to just go through right now. But I do want to remind us a little bit about what happened, uh, what was spoken in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, in a little quick summary uh, of going through some verses. So, uh, so let's do that. Uh, first, as we look into to, uh, verse 3, it says this, According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Y'all, that ought to stop us in our tracks. It's at the very beginning of the letter, as Peter's teaching to us, that his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That sets the stage. Prepare our minds for action. Be sober-minded, as it says in verse one, uh, chapter 113. Chapter 122, to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. We are being built up as a spiritual house. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. That section that began there in chapter uh, 2 and goes through the end of chapter 2 and into the beginning of 3 is what set things up for today. Uh, the next section was towards servants to be subject, subject to their masters, or in probably our modern day language, certainly more along the lines of, you're, and as an employee, we are to be loyal to our employer, to our bosses, if you will, as we go forward. And, and all of this, and, and then wives um, to their husbands and how they're to live. This all, by the way, is under this heading of what God has done for us. Y'all, he has created in us new life to a living hope. Therefore, for his sake, we subject ourselves to these things that God has for us, that we are going to walk in a way that is honoring to him. And then it gets into 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is our verse for today. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now we're going to start with this word, likewise. Uh, as many of you have been studying the Bible for a long time know, there are a couple different words in Scripture that should cause us, there's a few, that should really cause us to pause and look back to what we just read. The word therefore is one of those. Anytime you see the word therefore, you say, what's it? Therefore, right? And you got to go back and look. The word likewise also would be a trigger for us to go, likewise to what? And I will tell you this, all of this is encompassed. The, the instruction to the husbands, instructions to the wives, the instructions to the servants, and to all of us at the beginning under submission is all in a section that ties together. So this likewise refers back to all of those things. So, for the Lord's sake, we do those things. Number one, submit to authority, as it talks about in verses 13 through 17 of chapter 2. Uh, for servants to be subject to their masters, it goes through all that. It even, it even goes through, and for the Lord's sake, he suffered for you, the Lord suffered for us, and gave us an example that we should do it. 
So y'all, I'll tell you this, our eyes should be on Jesus to do what he would do. Uh, right at, at uh, 8.40 each Sunday morning, the, anybody who wants to join comes and takes communion over here, and the staff that are here come and take communion. And we were over there this morning, and Micah McHugh was over there with his little boy, Silas, cutest kid you've ever seen. And he goes over there to take these communion cups, and he grabs them, and he goes, he goes Daddy, I'm going to do what you always do. And then he takes those communion cups, and he gets down on his knees to worship the Lord there. Y'all, I will tell you, this is what we ought to do. We look to Jesus and go, Daddy, I want to do what you always do. My hope is that this is what's inspiring us to live as husbands, to live as fathers, to live as spouses in our world here, that we could do this in a way that is honoring and taking Jesus uh, as the center for our example. Okay, so then also, we went back to all those. We'll also go back, and I'm sorry I skipped over this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. These are the, the three verses that lead into chapter 7, or verse 7, excuse me. And it says this, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Y'all, husbands, this takes us back to this verse specifically. These are the verses that are right before he says the word, likewise. We are to focus men much like the women, not on our externals, not on the things around us, but on the hidden person of the heart. Also, and Chris talked about this last week, how Jesus was gentle and lowly. It mentions the words in here, gentle and quiet spirit. I will tell us all in here, regardless of our temperament and our natural bent in life, that God calls us to live in a gentle and lowly way. That's the Jesus way. That's the example he gave us. And my hope and heartbeat is that we would be uh, living that way as well. And then the last thing is this. Look look at the end of chapter six. Do not fear anything that is frightening. He doesn't say, do not fear anything that is not frightening. Like, hey, don't be scared for no reason. Be scared, do not be scared of things that are frightening because God is with us. And I will tell you this, when you look at the end of that, men, think for just a second. What would be, I mean, this command to the ladies, to to our wives, uh, to not fear anything is frightening. What is more frightening than following us as leaders? That's a scary spot to be in. To submit yourself to another person. Maybe it's an employer. Maybe it's scary to submit ourselves to authorities that are over us. God's command through all of this is that we don't fear that which is frightening, but we entrust ourselves to the one who can do something about all those frightening things. So men, it's equally scary. And ladies, you need to know this. If you don't already know this, it is a scary command for us to lead the home. It's a scary command to be the provider. It is a, it's a command that is fearful to be responsible in caring for our spouses. So likewise, husbands, let's cast our cares on the Lord. If we feel that, if we feel any insecurity about leading, if you're young in your marriage, or if you're just anybody married, the reality is it's a scary time. So let's, let's cast our cares upon Jesus.
Okay, we're going to go through some of the other verses. Uh, the, the scriptures, Paul also mentions a lot of instructions. I say a lot. There are some, a few instructions to us as husbands specifically. And I think there's not a ton because I think the reality is this, y'all. The commands that are all through the scripture on how we are to walk out our faith and how we are to live are all the commands that are going to go then jump into helping us as husbands, loving our wives and leading our family. Some of the specific ones that are mentioned, we're going to Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Then we're going to jump into Ephesians 5. And I'm just going to read through these, y'all. Ephesians, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, verse 19 says this. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Goes on to Ephesians, and this is verses 25, 28, and 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Do y'all see a common theme in there? What's the one word that stands out? Love. love. Say it again. Love. The command is love. How we are to do that. And then it goes into 1 Peter 3.7. Right here, this is, this is uh, the command to us again. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. And then y'all, I'm gonna cheat because the very next verse is what would have been read next in line. And so I'm not gonna preach on this, but I'm going to show this to us a little bit. And it says this, finally, all of you. Now I'm gonna stop before I get any farther than that. I did not go to seminary, and I'm not a theologian, but I'm pretty sure the Greek here for all of you means all of you, okay? And we, here's what, then the following commands for us as it gave us some instructions as husbands. All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Y'all, this is my hope um, as, I am, uh, as I am trying to, I mean, I've been married for 30 years, and large chunks of that have been me just trying to figure out, God, what, how, how, do I, how do I love my wife well? How do I do this? And, and uh, I will tell you all that are young in your marriage, if you haven't figured out that marriage is hard, uh, I will let you know it is, is awesomely hard. Um, but I say that, and I heard this a lot when I was uh, in my younger days, people would say before I was married, hey, marriage is a ton of work. And I will tell you what that means to me as an adult. What I learned once I got into marriage is not that it's hard work like, like when you're doing physical labor. The hard work of marriage is fighting for unity and intimacy. My hope is that we can be characterized by folks that are pursuing that, that we're pursuing, doing the hard work to do that. Um, the way I think this is going to happen, y'all, the key for us, having a thriving marriage is probably the same thing as having a thriving life. And it starts with surrendering ourselves to Jesus, letting him transform our thoughts, our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, loving the people around us, as we say in our family, oftentimes we are happiest when we are not seeking our own happiness. Living with our wife in an understanding way, what does this look like? The next part of this, 
to live with our wife in an understanding way. Over, over 30 years of marriage, I have learned a lot from other people. Most of this is not stuff that I learned on my own. It was other men who had been married longer, who were walking in a way with the Lord or in their, with their spouse, and they gave me some pro tips. And so, y'all, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to pass on some pro tips that this is just one beggar sharing food with another. Okay? Uh, the first was this. This changed my approach tremendously because I, I am very selfish. Uh, by my own self, I'm going to think about myself all the time. All right? Most of us are probably this way. What I did, what this guy told me is like, listen, here's what you should do that will help you so much as you're going home at the end of a day. Consider this. Consider that your wife might have had a harder day than you did. And y'all, I'll tell you, we have five kids and when they were young, I didn't have to consider at all whether she had had a harder day than I had. It was a guarantee for sure every single day as she's trying to raise these little ones. And y'all, if you've worked in the nursery, if you've worked with kids, you know how fun it is and how hard it is. On my best days, being considerate that she might have had a harder day than me meant me coming home and being an active participant in the home, being engaged in whether it's prepping a meal or playing with the kids or doing all of that and saying, you go get 30 minutes, go on a walk, whatever it might be. My hope is that as a husband, it characterizes me as coming in and considering how can I be a blessing in my home? How can I come home and be an engaged dad who is in the mix, talking with my kids, caring for my wife, seeing how she's doing. That is my hope, is that I can, I can, I can be that way. Now, one, one way that this hit me, that, that somebody described it to me, and I'll tell you this, this has some flaws. So as I explain this, I want to preface it with, this is not a perfect analogy. But the way it was explained to me was this idea of coming home with an attitude, not of just kicking my shoes off and watching TV and resting, but having this attitude of, I'm coming home to my second job. I'm coming home to work with a mindset like that. Now, I clearly say, here's the, the fault in this. I don't view my wife or my kids as a second job. I consider it a joy and a privilege to be able to love and care and, and parent and all of those things in my home. But, but what helped me was the attitude of coming home with ready to engage, ready to work uh, not coming home to be all about me. And boy, I had, you should have seen all the meetings I had. And then my wife is cooking and up to her ears and, and dirty diapers and all the different stuff. And she looks at me and is like, tough day, huh? Right. One of the other things, uh, I've got two more. Um, seeking first to understand rather than to be understood. You can write that one down, people. That, I'm telling you, this was a game changer for me, and it has, continues to be, and I will tell you, in the midst of um, maybe what we call discussions, uh, what the world would call arguments, uh, it is super important, and I, it, here's where I can tell you that it has helped me tremendously to live with my wife in an understanding way, is when I seek to understand. This has been where, where the rubber meets the road, is how can I then go, what is she trying to communicate, and then communicate back? Here's what I'm hearing you say. Is this what you're trying to say? These are some of the things that have helped. And I'll tell you this, I, I bat about 200 on this. Um, I'm trying to get better, but I will tell you this, that, that this is something that has been a blessing as I think about that. Now, the fourth thing here that, uh, I think it's fourth, I don't know, maybe I can't count. Uh, I heard a sermon from Andy Stanley years ago on 
the one question that you can ask in your home that will totally change the environment of your home. And I listened to this sermon, and Andy Stanley talked for like 30 minutes, and I don't think he got to what that one question was until like the last five minutes of the sermon. You got to that point, and I thought people were going to start standing up in the audience and yell, tell me the question. So I'm not going to tell you guys a question for a little bit, but I will tell you it's going to change the atmosphere of your home if you will ask this question, both of your kids and of your spouse. And that question is simple, and it is this. Is there anything I can do for you today? It's that simple. It's getting our eyes off ourselves, and literally, you're, you're looking at that, and I, I can tell by the looks in your eyes, some of you are blowing me off right now. That is an amazingly powerful question in your home. Most of us do not ask it because of fears of what the answer might be on the other side. Right? It's like, hey, I... I'm afraid that if I were to ask this question, I would get a list this long or an Excel spreadsheet of some sort that is just like, or maybe it's just one thing. Can you get the taxes done today? <laughs> that, all of that is scary on why we don't ask that. But I will tell you a majority of the time in a home that is loving and considerate, and if both are even remotely considered, they understand that you can't like take off work or cancel all your meetings and do the one thing. But can you stop by and pick up the dry cleaning on the way home? Yeah. Can I run by and pick up dinner or grab some milk on the way home or something along that line? Absolutely. That's a question I would encourage us all to be asking in our home. Is there something I can do for you today? And for those of us who are on the other side, when that question is asked, make sure we're not making it to where they don't want to ask it ever again. Husbands, I also want to do this. I want to encourage us to consider that we, as we live, should make it as easy as possible for our wives to joyfully be able to walk in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3. There is a command to submit to our authority in the home. And y'all, I tell you, I do not take that lightly. It is scary for me. And I want to live in such a way with my wife, so understanding of what spot she's in, that it would be a joy for her to do that. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Is at this point when I read this, and I said, thank you, Chris, for asking me to speak today. Uh, weaker, y'all, and, and you've heard this, Chris talked about this last week, but weaker does not imply lesser. The implication here is not lesser, it is different. Now, let me give you this example. Okay, so I have five kids. Um, when they were young, I used to wrestle with them. If I wrestled with them now, it would not go so well. But when they were young, I would wrestle them. They'd all get on the bed, and we were wrestling around and doing that. When they were little, I knew that at any point, I could exert my strength. And if I gave, if I gave full, strong effort, I could hurt them. Does that mean that they were of lesser value than I am? There's none of us in here that argue that our children are of lesser value. But we're stronger than they are when they're little. So with showing honor to our kids as a weaker vessel, we are going to be careful as we wrestle through that. And men, I want to just encourage us to be cognizant of the fact 
that as we wrestle through life with our spouses to be aware that we could hurt them if we exert things in an unhealthy way. My hope and my heartbeat is that we as men would be just like Christ and sacrifice rather than exert power. That we would show love and kindness. Let's live in an understanding way. Showing honor, as Chris talked about last week, is about showing proper value to something or someone. It's about showing proper value to them. And he, you guys, if you were here last week, you saw that Chris brought up three plates. If you weren't here, he brought up three plates. He brought up a paper plate. He brought up a plastic plate. Or ladies, just so you know, I know this name, melamine plate. And then some fine china of gingers. And he took the paper plate and he threw that on the ground. And he took the plastic plate and he talked about its value and he threw it on the ground, like down to the wayground. He took the fine china and he did not throw it on the ground. Because it had value, he showed honor to that china because it had value. And I will tell you this, men, the way we show honor is by recognizing the true value of the woman God has been so gracious to give us. Caring for her, loving her, and showing her honor. So that your prayers may not be hindered is how this verse finishes. Jared Schuler, sitting in here with us today, led worship for us and taught up here before, calls this maybe the scariest verse in the whole Bible. Y'all, the Bible gives some support for this, but I will tell you, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but I guess Malachi, there's biblical support. The book of Malachi, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, says this. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar. This is, this is Malachi teaching to the priests or talking and, and prophesying to the priests. You cover the altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion, and your wife by covenant. From the prophet Micah, describing how some of the rulers and prophets were acting, they were acting in a way that was unbecoming, they were doing a lot of evil deeds and a lot of evil things. He says this in Micah 3, 4, Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time, because they have made their deeds evil. Y'all, our actions have an impact. Or, said in a different way, in a more positive way, in James 5.16, the second part of James 5.16 says this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Husbands, I want to let us know and remind us of something. We serve King Jesus who raised people from the dead, who Cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Jesus did miracles upon miracles. God is capable in this creation of listening to requests and responding. But God says those requests and our prayers may be hindered 
based on how we treat the wife that he gave us. Does that sit heavy for you? A lot of you guys have known me for a while and, and know that uh, at four o'clock, if you've been around me at four o'clock every day, I have an alarm that goes off on my phone. And at four o'clock, I stop and pray for my wife. And literally while I was preparing this section of the text, my four o'clock alarm went off and it hit me in a really personal way. If I'm not treating my wife well, all of these prayers, all these times I'm praying for these things in our marriage, for our kids, for what's going on in all the other prayers, those could be hindered based on how I am treating the wife that the Lord has given me. Now, I'll tell you this. I was reading in, in one of my old Bibles recently and read that, that passage, and, and under there I wrote, you know what? The consequence of not having my prayers heard or my prayers being hindered, I guess the, the exact way to say it, the consequence of, of having my prayers hindered at certain points in my life when I wasn't praying much was not a big consequence. My hope that each one of us in here would have an active prayer life, that we would be going to the one who can do miraculous things in our marriage, miraculous things in our family, amazing works of his display of his fruit in our life. But y'all, I will tell you, if we are not treating the bride he gave us well, it's not going to go well for us with our prayers. He, we're not going to see that. Here's the way it was illustrated to me uh, in the last week. A couple different guys were talking about this and, and didn't even know that they were together on this. But I, I, have just, I have two daughters. Both of them are married. And they are uh, fantastic son-in-laws. I love them tremendously. But I will tell you this. If those son-in-laws were mistreating my daughters in a significant way, if they were abusing, if they were not showing honor, if there were, if there were things going on to where they were um, uh, not doing what this type of thing is called for my daughters, do you, and then they came to me and they said, hey, I would like to ask you a favor. Can you give me some, some wisdom on financial advice? Can you help me while we go move? Can we? I will tell you this. I am not going to listen to those requests until we get to the thing that is most important. Their requests are a moot point until we deal with how they're treating my daughter. And men, Jesus has given us our wife, his daughter, to love and care for. And if we want to be serious about approaching God with our requests, we better be serious about taking care of his sweet daughter that he has put in our laps. That he has given us the honor and the joy of showing honor, of living with in an understanding way. My hope and prayer is that we can do that in a way that's glorifying God and drawing people to him. Husbands, I think a decent summary in closing of what the word says to us is to love our spouse. It's simple. It is to love and care for them. Now, what do you do? What if you've been botching this? What if this is something that, that you have been doing a terrible job of? And as you sit here now, God's just stirring in your soul about some things that you have said recently or things you've done or just the way you've been living in your home. And you're like, I, what do I do? I want to give you three things that we should do from here if that's, if that's the condition of where you are right now. 
or if you find yourself in this spot, first, begin with an apology. The way it starts with me, with my wife, is in our family, we, we try to do this. Hey, honey, will you please forgive me for, and then I name whatever that was, whether it was being inconsiderate, whether it was talking in a rude tone of voice, whether it was being thoughtless in some way. Will you please forgive me? That's a hard thing to do, but will you please forgive me? Secondly, the second step, take baby steps in the direction that God is nudging you. Ask for forgiveness. Take baby steps in the way God is nudging you. And then step three is repeat steps one and two until Jesus comes back. I want to read, if you're in that, that spot, and, and, and maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's where you are, but I'm going to read Isaiah 55. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads, if you will. Bow our heads. I want to read this over you. It says this. Seek the Lord, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Y'all, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would invite you guys to just open up your hands. Literally, physically open up your hands if you can to him as a symbol of just going, God, I'm going to do, I want to follow you and I want to surrender to you. Do this. Just pray to God right now. Talk, just talk to him about what he's speaking to you about. Lord Jesus, we love you. I thank you for your commands. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you have opened to us. Through the power of your Holy Spirit in a redeemed life, a way to love our wives. We can't do it on our own. We need you. I pray that you will help us, God, to be humble and contrite. Softening our hearts before you and looking for ways to honor to live in an understanding way with the brides you've given us. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God's been stern on any of your hearts today. If you need prayer, if you want to come and join this dysfunctional family, uh, we'd invite you during this song to respond and come forward.